Hello, everyone. Welcome to Smoke the Podcast. Episode 11. Um, so I guess it's been a little bit since we've, re- <laughs> we've released another uh, podcast. It has. It has. Uh, not because we've been trying to neglect you guys, but we've just had a lot going on in our, our family, particularly. Yep. Um, so we're coming at you with a, a little bit of a new recording setup, so hopefully the audio quality is good. Um, I know that our people will let us know if they like it or if they dislike it or what tweaks we need to make. Yeah. And we sincerely appreciate all of that feedback. Absolutely. We do. Um, so today uh, we are recording indoors. Um, we have a pretty heavy topic. Yeah. A lot of people have been waiting for. Um, so we are going to forego the cigar and just stick with the whiskey today. Yes. Um, so in the glass we have Eagle Rare Kentucky Straight Bourbon. Uh, Ryan's going to go ahead and pour. We have our glasses all uh, iced up and ready to go. Uh, A little description. Um, This is from the website, Eagle Rare website. Eagle Rare bourbon um, is masterfully crafted and carefully aged for no less than 10 years. Every barrel is discriminately selected to offer consistent flavor, but with a seemingly uh, individual personality. Eagle Rare is a bourbon that lives up to its name, uh, with its lofty, distinctive taste experience. Uh, the tasting notes. Uh, the nose is complex with aromas of toffee, hints of orange peel, herbs, honey, leather, and oak. Wow. That is a pretty complex nose. <laughs> the taste is bold, dry, and delicate with notes of candied almonds and very rich cocoa. The finish is dry and lingering. Hmm. Well, cheers. Complex, yes. <laughs> cheers to Eagle Rare. I'm going to say the nose, um, definitely uh, get the sweetness, not too much toffee for me, um, but the herbs, herbs and honey are the, uh, yeah, I'm and getting, the leather too. Well, yeah, kind of like a, a honey, like just that kind of sweet honey. Yeah. Let's see. Ooh. Let's try to taste on that though. That is uh, packed with flavor. Wow. Um, I've had this before and I don't remember it being this uh flavorful (laughs) yeah uh this is almost for those of you who who listen uh i I think for me it's going to be a little bit better once it waters down yes um because that is bold the initial flavor of it is really good it's uh really sweet um and not in like a gross sweet kind of way like in a it's very flavorful not like in a southern comfort kind of sweet yes, way. Yes, <laughs> not. And what was the other one we had that was really uh, Rebel Yell? I think oh, yes, it was. Rebel Yell was very sweet. Not like that at all. But I, I don't know any other way to describe it. Um, I'm not like a, uh, eloquent with my my tasting notes. <laughs> Your palate is my not palate as sophisticated. is not as refined as some people's. But um, it's definitely got a very bold flavor to it. But it's but it's sweet. So that first uh, flavor that you get is extremely delicious and, and, and tolerable. Um, it's, and when I say tolerable, it literally is not lying when they say it's a lingering aftertaste. Mm. Yes, uh, the finish is just, it, I mean, it just stuck with me. Mm-hmm. I'm still getting a lot of flavor off that. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Eagle Rare is made by the Buffalo Trace Distillery, which oh, cool. is a pretty popular bourbon yeah. um, around. Um, I seen it online from about $30 all the way up to about $50 for okay. the 750 uh, milliliter. Um, so I would advise people to make sure uh, you're 
checking your prices before buying it because I wouldn't spend $50 yeah. when I can buy it for $30. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 45% alcohol by volume, uh, 90 proof, aged for 10 years, like I said. And unlike most bourbons that we've tried, yeah, this um, has been around since 1975. Oh, wow. A lot of them are like 1875. Yes. Uh, or... <laughs> I mean, a lot of you know bourbons are uh, uh, really, really old yeah. uh, from the 1700s, uh, you know, recipes that are passed on. Uh, for centuries, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is this is kind of rare to see this one, uh, a pretty new new one. Yeah. Although bourbon's kind of, I think, taken off recently. Yes. Um, so it's definitely become a lot more popular. It's it's funny. The older I get, the more people I'm starting to realize uh, are are like becoming bourbon connoisseurs, or uh -huh. at least just even just whiskey. Yeah, whiskey in general. Whiskey connoisseurs in general. Um, I know a lot of a lot of people because um, I've liked whiskey. From the time I, I I turned 21, it's it's been something that I've really enjoyed. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people now that we're not traditionally whiskey drinkers that are like, oh man, I love just having a glass of whiskey. So yep, it's pretty cool. So um, are you ready to get into our firearms topic today? Yeah, uh, let's let's just jump right All in. All right, we got a lot so to cover. our triggered firearms topic of the day is the 2019 California Ammo Regulations. Um, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelts, because <laughs> yeah. we're in for the uh, California roller coaster of uh, gun regulations. Yay! <laughs> Last one we did it was about Freedom Week, and uh, yeah, yeah, we get to bring more laws into it. I'm so excited! <laughs> so you want to explain what this topic's about? Yeah. Um, so basically, we've covered it a little bit, I think, here and there. Um, Throughout just the 10 episodes that we've already done, just just like uh, a, just a little bit in, in probably in casual uh, conversation throughout uh -huh. the episodes. But basically there's this proposition um, that was passed in California, I believe it was in 2016. Um, and basically it set forth a large amount of laws and, and they've all taken place over the last three years and they're all being implemented in stages. Yes, I believe that that was on the ballot for the presidential election. Yes, yeah, that, that sounds right. And yeah. basically uh, over the last three years, we've had to deal with all of those regulations one by one being set. And I know we've talked about this before for sure is that they really didn't have a plan of execution. Yes, no infrastructure at all. <laughs> yeah, they just were like, this is what we're going to do, but we have no idea how we're going to do it. And yeah. so um, it's been one of those things where there have been, and we're going to go through it at that towards the end, but there have been numerous amounts of myths and legends and <laughs> stories and all kinds of uh, speculation as to what these laws would be. And it's just one of those things where... Um, I've sat back and, and just watched it all kind of happen in front of me. And it just seems like it's just the most common question that's being asked right now. Um, especially because the biggest portion of it is being released in, um, well, it's being it, it not released, but like implemented on July 1st, 2019. Okay. So in about one month. Yeah. And, um, we've seen, I, th I think the very beginning was, when the law first passed, the, what was the first thing that happened was uh, the ammo had to be behind counters. Yes. So we, you can uh, just go up and touch ammo and. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and we've all had to suffer through that. And I think that was, yes, the first implementation. I can't remember if that started in 2017 or, or when it was, or maybe it might have even been. 2000 as early as 2016 I like I said it's all been in stages and we're we've dealt with it for such a long time or what feels like such a long time now that it's 
sadly becoming part of our routine. Um, so the current regulations on am ammunition sales in California are, it has to be any, any ammunition transaction has to be a face-to-face -face transaction with an FFL or a licensed ammunition dealer. Uh -huh. Now, most places uh, are, are just doing the FFL option because a lot of them are selling both guns and ammo. There's a few places that have the licensed ammunition dealership. Um, that would be places like uh, Walmart where they don't sell any guns, they just sell the ammunition. Okay. And so they made that option available for these companies that were like, hey, we don't want to take on the liability of selling guns, but we can sell ammo. Um, so it's a much easier, not easier, but it's it's simpler because there's a there's the, the gun aspect is taken out of it and all the um, hardcore drossing and paperwork and things like that yeah. is, is separate from it. Um, this also really sucked uh, because it took away all online sales of ammunition um, from California, and the only way you can do online sales is if you have that ammunition shipped to an FFL. The FFL will typically charge you through the nose to hold that ammunition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, they gotta make yeah, money. They gotta make money somehow too, because if not, it, it really doesn't, if you're buying it cheaper than buying it from them, they wanna make sure that they get a cut of that as well. There's a few FFLs throughout California that are like, you know what, no, we're all about the Second Amendment. We're only going to charge like a, I think the minimum's like a $5 handling fee or something like that. There's a few of them that will do it, but for the most part, yeah, they're charging upwards of $30 to $40 a day to hold your ammunition. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty rough. Yeah, so, and then like Theodore mentioned, the ammo has to be locked up behind the counter. Um, and you can't handle or touch any of the ammunition until after the purchase is complete. And I believe that once the purchase is complete, now I'm not sure 100% on this, but I was told this by someone who works at a local gun shop, that once the purchase is complete, they can no longer touch your ammunition. So they can oh, okay. hold it and handle it and bring it to the counter when you cannot now, right? Mm -hmm. And then once it's brought to the counter, rung up, and then the point of sale has been passed, so you've paid for it, you have the receipt, they no longer can touch that ammunition because they don't own it. It's yours. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> it's it's crazy that's pretty nitpicky <laughs> yeah um and again i don't know if that's true or not that's yeah. just something i was told by an associate at one of the local gun shops so, so just to give people an idea what uh what were our old regulations well if i mean uh if if anyone was around in california before 2016 and ever went shooting and had to buy ammunition um i'm gonna paraphrase the law here very very much and i don't know how accurate this is but you could pretty much buy ammo whenever wherever however <laughs> it was it was just like every other state where you can walk in grab ammo off the shelves bring it up to the register they ring it up and you're good to go and i mean i experienced that you know all growing up as a kid i mean you just go in and buy a box of 22 or shotgun shells you just grab them off the counter and hey this is what i want to get yeah um that was pretty much the same that i've experienced with the exception of uh, certain you know retail stores where they have it behind glass just because they don't want people stealing it. Um, right. Yes. Other, of course. Other than that, it's uh, pretty easy to go into a a, a gun store, a gun shop, um, or you know a hunting and fishing shop, and um, just pick up the ammo that you want, take it to the register, and yes, um, I believe that you, I, I used to get ID'd um, before. Uh, but I don't know if that was it everywhere, uh, or if that was the law, or if that was just company policy. It, I, you know, I don't know. I know, I want to say, it, I know for sure the law is now you have to be 21 years yes. old to buy ammunition. So. And I, I could be mistaken. I, that could be a new thing. <laughs> yeah, it, it could be. I don't know. I, yeah. I, you know, I feel like I've bought, I had bought ammo before without 
being carded, but you just never know. I know for sure if they did card me, they weren't swiping it through the system. Yeah, it wasn't. Because now they got to either scan it or swipe yeah. it or do something with your ID to register it and everything. Um, it, back in, I do remember being carded uh, at, I think it was Walmart, and they had asked me just for the age and birth date and everything. Um, so, yeah. And that I don't know. But yeah, you're right. There were stores like uh, Big Five and, and Walmart. The, those are two just because they typically have the cheapest prices in, mm -hmm. in Southern California, which is why I'm going to mention them a couple of times prior today. But they were ones where they had a lot of the ammunition already behind glass uh, cabinets or behind the counter. Yeah. Um, simply because you're right. They, there was just a lot of, there's a lot of theft in those mm -hmm. big box retail stores. Um, and so they wanted to prevent that. What they did not have though at Walmart was the shotgun shells. Yeah, protected. shotgun shells were always open. You could always walk up and just buy a, a case of shotgun shells yeah. with no, no issues. And now everything has to be behind the lock. Well, I would say like for uh, your, your usual, your, uh, your target loads, your, uh, uh skeet and, um, you know, like bird loads, um, but not even, even your more expensive loads, uh, they had behind. Uh, glass before yeah uh, yeah in, but that was again it was more too. that was more yeah. just to prevent theft not because it was law um but yeah no you're right and well and then they had some of the cheaper more common like pistol you could buy a you could grab a box of like 500 pistol rounds off the shelf too yeah for like nine millimeter or something like that but yeah your common stuff yeah yeah no, nothing expensive <laughs> or so, nothing in small boxes <laughs> either so um starting july 1st um yeah. you know what are the new regulations going to be so what we're looking at is, it, and I'm going to use this word very loosely because we're going to talk about this when we get to uh, the myths, but basically the, the simple layman's term of it is there's going to be a background check when purchasing ammunition in the state of California um, starting July 1st, 2019. Now again, we'll cover this later, but there's no, no permits that are going to be issued as originally thought by a lot of people, and we'll, we'll again, you know, we'll go over that. Um, but basically what the state is saying. Um, and, and I got this information from a few different websites, um, and from a few different articles and what I could find. Um, there's really not a lot of information out there. And that's the frustrating part is it's really hard to find, um, information on any of this, but, um, I would like to give a quick shout out to Christy McNabb at LAX Ammunition because I was able to get and gather a lot of the information that we're going to read about from um, her web or from the like frequently asked questions on the LAX ammo. Yeah, website. I'll say um, belonging to their mailing list, they send out a lot of good information um, and kind of give you uh, insight on what's going on, uh, you know, the way they see it, um, and it really explaining things clear <laughs> as clear as possible to us yeah um so yeah i, I really appreciate uh, that because you know a lot a lot of this stuff's not really easy to uh to look through if you're not uh into law or yeah. a lawyer or you know yeah um if you're really not into politics or whatever right um and i, I know you know it's, it, that kind of stuff's not for everybody so to have somebody that can uh explain something to you clearly right <laughs> is yeah. very helpful especially with stuff like this where you know, like we said before, basically there's no infrastructure uh, when they this law passed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to see all the developments, you know, a lot of times people say, okay, well, I heard this law passed, and then they get the first round of changes, and then they think that's it. Yeah. You know, because they didn't realize that there was more to come two years later. Yeah. You know, yeah. so... Uh, to be updated is, is very helpful. Yeah, so we do appreciate... Um, appreciate LAX ammo for, for, uh, you know, 
basically publishing all this stuff on their website. We also appreciate a lot of the other California uh, gun guys, and I'm not going to name any names, um, but we, we appreciate them, and, and they know who they are, and uh, thank you for posting and, and always keeping us informed as well. Yeah, and um, even, even the non-California gun people that, yes. <laughs> that, that uh, shows have, their support for us. Yeah, and have been posting articles about, hey, make sure you guys get, you know, get what ammo you can, make sure that you go out and you know, there's, there's going to be some stuff with uh, hunting ammo and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so yeah, it's been really cool. So basically, anyways, uh, back to the, the background check per purchase um, starting in, in July 1st, uh, 2019. So basically the wording on this that we were able to find is that it is an eligibility check. Um, that's what they're calling it. They're not necessarily calling it like a full background check, yeah. which is why I want to use that term loosely. That's what everyone in the state is calling it, a background check. And mm-hmm. in reality, it kind of is. But um, really what, what they're calling it is an eligibility check. And it will be performed at each and every purchase from here on out in the state of California. So any ammunition that is purchased, you are going to have to go through an eligibility check, no matter what. Um, the cost for this eligibility test or check is, uh, obviously there's a cost to it. (laughs) Um, it's going to be $1 per check and it's going to be paid for by the consumer. So you and I, um, and all the other, uh, gun enthusiasts and shooting sports enthusiasts in California. And that $1 cost will be paid to the, uh, California department of justice. Okay. So every single transaction, you're going to have to get one of these and it's going to cost you a dollar per transaction. I'm just going to say this right now. I am not happy about this. However, a dollar is a lot less than some of the myths I was hearing. Yes. So I'm quite thankful that all it is, is $1. Yeah. I'm not too happy about the dollar. Not that it affects me that much. Uh, you know, not that I'm rich or anything, but you know, a dollar is a dollar. Yeah. But... Where is that money going is the question. And yeah. if it's going to the Department of Justice, is that going to um, go towards more regulations? Or or is it seriously just covering the cost of them to click into the system? And like, you know what I mean? Who knows? Yeah. I, yeah, I, they, have, they actually do have like some tables put together. And, and again, back to think, being thankful for the people that know how to read a lot of this stuff. I tried reading through a lot of the laws and there's just so much legal jargon in there mm-hmm. that... It's really hard to separate what is helpful, what's harmful, what's, you know, just law terms. You know, it's like, it's like I'm sitting there reading because I read through the whole thing and I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go back to the Cliff Note version because it makes more sense, you know? Yeah, unless unless you deal with that uh, on a daily basis, it's hard to... Yeah, but they did have some tables, you know, like when you vote for certain propositions and they say, oh, it's going to save X amount of money over 10 years by yeah. doing this or that. They had some tables like that, that basically what this would implement, implementing this would do for the Department of Justice and um, what it would cost us and, and, and everything, but... Um, I didn't really bother to read through it because I'm still mad that they're taking a dollar at every transaction from here on out. You know, I'm yeah. ha- again, I am thankful that it's only a dollar, but it's still frustrating. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. I, I can I can see that. <laughs> yes. So um, again, this is per transaction. Um, we did hear that it was going to be per day, per box. Um, so what that means is that. Essentially, if you go into a uh, gun or ammunition store and you buy um, two, two cases of shotgun shells and you walk out and you go back in later that day, 
you're still going to have to pay an additional $1. Yes. So you'd be paying $2 in the same day. So it's not per day. It's also not per box because that was also a rumor that yeah, was going around. I heard that too. That, yeah, for every box that you buy, you got to pay a dollar on it. No, it's it's per transaction. So um, you, can, can, you can complete um, as many transactions as you want in a day, but uh -huh. a lot of the people are saying, well, then stick it to them and just, you know, if you're one of those guys like me, if I'm driving you know, around and I have to stop in at Walmart or I got to drive by Big Five. I'm one of those guys where I'll pick up a box of shells today or I'll pick up, you know, yeah. uh, some 22 ammo on my way home from work or, you know, and like little by little, like week by week, I'll go in and pick stuff up. Now it's one of those things where instead I'm just going to save up, you know, and just go in and go, okay, I'm going to buy a couple thousand rounds of everything because I don't, for me, I get it, it's just a dollar, but to me it's a principle of it. Like, fine, if I got to pay a dollar, then I'm buying as much as I can today. Yeah, and that... Uh, with that mindset, um, it got me thinking maybe online purchases, shipping to an FFL might be okay if you're going to make bulk, bulk purchases like that, um, you know, where if they're going to charge you, you know, 10, 15 bucks to hold your, your ammo for yeah. a day, um, it might just uh, be better to eat that 10, $15 to save $80 on ammo or whatever Yes, if you're making a big purchase. Yes. If you're making a large purchase, there's been a lot of them where... It also counts on. They also charge you the more you buy. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I've I've looked into it a hundred different ways, and yeah. um, it just seems like there the deals are far and few between with the FFLs that we have just in our current area. Yeah, and um, like anything else, just do your research. Right. And find out what uh, is the best for saving yeah, money and, yeah. and cost effective. Uh, I will say that's one of those solutions. things that, that you and I both do well. I feel yeah. like we're both both really into researching everything before we purchase, before we spend all the you know money and everything else. So anyways. Yeah. And um, you know, get together with people, you know. Yes. Join groups and talk about it. I mean we have uh, at Smoke the Podcast on Facebook and uh, Instagram and you know we uh, let us know where you're getting your ammo or how you're yeah, getting it. Yeah, where the and, best deals are happening. And, and uh, we'll be uh, sure to share it with everybody that uh, that are that's in our circle. Yeah, that's in that's in Southern California. It, it's it's tough when you when you watch guys online that have you know these out of state presence and they're you know they're nationwide and stuff and they're offering all kinds of deals and things like that and you're like shoot I can't buy any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so it would be nice to get together like uh, some yeah some just hey this is what I found it at Turner's or I found this at Big Five or whatever, you know, so that'd be, that'd be pretty awesome. Um, so yes, then basically what this eligibility check is now going back to the, the topic, um, it's, it's what I like to call for, this is my phrase. Um, it's like an automatic dross or an auto dross or a, like a, um, I think LA, LAX ammo calls it like a mini dross, um, will be filed with the AFS, um, the California DOJ AFS. Now the AFS is the automated firearm systems, uh, or system run by the California department of justice. Now, um, this system basically keeps a record of, of every, you know, registered firearm in the state of California and, and who they're registered to and everything else. So basically this auto dross will be filed when you go to complete the transaction, you'll bring them or well, you won't bring them your ammo cause you can't, you can't touch the ammo. So they'll bring the <laughs> ammo to the counter. Um, they'll ring everything up. And then, uh, as they start the transaction, they'll file this kind of auto dross or they'll run this auto dross for a dollar. Um, and that's, that's the, that's the eligibility check there. You're paying a dollar for this auto dross to be run. Um, and they're saying that it'll take approximately one to two minutes for it to run through all of the records and check and make sure that it's complete. Um, what it checks is your uh, name, 
uh, address, date of birth, and driver's license number. Um, and, and then, uh, any, any guns that you've registered and there's, there's a few other things, but those are the most important, um, uh, pieces of information that it's going to check. And then it's basically cross-referenced, um, throughout the, the rest of the automatic firearm system for any red flags. Now a red flag would be anything prohibiting you from owning a firearm in the state of California or in the nation. Um, so those are things like uh, felonies, if you've ever been uh, convicted of a felony, um, restraining orders where in the state of California, any restraining order that um, uh, is issued basically restricts the um, gun ownership of anyone who's subject to that restraining order. Um, and then I think there's a few other, like maybe misdemeanors, things like that, but, but um, that's not our concern. The, the Cal DOJ knows what those issues yeah. are, and so those red flags will come up. Now, um, if they do come up and, and something is red flagged, then obviously you shouldn't be buying ammo in the state yeah. of California. Um, if not, uh, so then basically they, they just won't sell you the ammunition. If not, um, and you're cleared and everything comes back as, as clear, then you can buy, again, as much ammo as you want. You can buy in multiple calibers. Um, and the final transaction will be then uh, completed and then completely recorded and kept records of by the uh, California DOJ, and they maintain records of all ammo purchases in the state. Okay. So um, that's going to be going on from here on out. Every single purchase is going to be registered. What you bought, how much of it you bought, who who bought it, basically. Like, just, I mean, it keeps a full record of everything. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the process. And then you're free to... Free to go i guess free so to walk out with your ammo <laughs> now they have a successful record of the amount of ammo purchased by people who don't commit crimes yeah yeah <laughs> and that's and that's the thing i know you know there there's some people that have equated it to well it's no different than your uh customer rewards card at the grocery store or on or your record of purchase on uh, places like amazon.com or ebay where they track all of your orders and stuff like that and yes to an extent sure that's fine i do I sign up for those things. Um, but, you know, in reality, um, it's quite funny because those those places offer coupons and discounts. I mean, there's a purpose to, <laughs> to joining a, a, a club site like that, you know, like Amazon or eBay or something like that. You know, you get, you get some kind of benefit. I wonder if the DOJ is going to start sending out ammo coupons. Like, hey, yeah. you've bought this much ammo this year. We're going to send you out a coupon to go get a free <laughs> box of 22s. Get rewards. Get rewards. No, yeah. they're not going to. Really all, really, all it is is, yes, you're right. A successful record of all law-abiding citizens that buy their ammo legally. Yeah, all the people that don't want to break the law. Yeah. Well, that's great. I wonder what they're going to use that record for. Huh. <laughs> that seems like a really, really good idea. Um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, it sucks, um, but that's the way things are going here. Okay, so. so well then how do I know if I'm in the California DOJ automated firearms system? That is a great question, Theodore, and I have an answer <laughs> for it. So here's a really, 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 really simple way to know. Um, I don't know the timeline on it, but I can tell you this much. If you have purchased and registered a firearm in California since they've had the automated firearm system, which has been around for a while. I just don't know like if it was early 2000s or 1990s. I, I don't know how long it's been around. We can look that up if, if people have questions on that. But if you've purchased and registered a firearm in California using the AFS system, um, then you're already in the system. 
Because anytime you buy a, cal or a gun in California, you know, you have to go through the whole background check and mm -hmm. the 10 day waiting period. All those guns are logged into the automated firearm system. Um, and so then yes, you're all good to go. Now, the one thing that I will say is you need to make sure that your contact info was the same from that gun that you purchased to the ammo that you're purchasing now. Okay. Um, because you wanna make sure that you know, you're know you at the same address and everything else. You may not be in the firearm system or it may come back as saying you know, you're know you at a different address or something like that. Um, again, this is all stuff where we don't necessarily know how it's gonna play out until it actually plays out. Yeah. Because um, we're not sure how that infrastructure, and I don't even know that the DOJ is 100% sure on how that infrastructure is wired. Uh, so that's one way to know, and that's a really simple way. So if you bought and purchased a, a firearm in California and it's registered, make sure your contact info is the same. You'll be in the AFS, no problem. Um, the other way is you can register any firearm that is not registered. Now, for example, that would be maybe a gun passed down from a father to a son because you don't technically have to register a gun that is passed down between grandfather and son or father and son, um, anything like that. And then you don't have to transfer, um, register a gun that is transferred between a husband and wife. Yeah. Um, so that would be an option as well. You could go in and register a gun with the state of California. Um, yeah. I don't know why you'd want to do that. I don't, I don't know why anyone would ever <laughs> want to do that. Um, but, but that is way to do it. It is, that, it is an option that and that's sense. the only reason why I'm mentioning it. And then last but not least, this one seems like the easiest option if you're uh, not a gun owner and you want to purchase ammo. So this really doesn't bother people that are already gun owners in the state of California because they're probably already in the AFS. What it really does bother though, or what the people that it hurts are the people that want to get into shooting and want to yes. just go to the range and take a box of ammo or want to buy ammo and they're going out with all their buddies and all their buddies have guns and they're like, yeah, I want to try a couple out before I buy. Um, they're not going to be able to buy ammo, which mm -hmm. really sucks. So it hinders a lot of people from getting into shooting sports and that's that sucks. So um, the last way, and again, this might be just the easiest way to do it if you haven't bought a gun already, is you can file for an eligibility check, which is what we're talking, what we've been talking about with the California DOJ. Here's the catch. It's not a dollar because you have to give them all of your information on like a sheet. Basically, there's like some sheet and I believe I believe you even have to go and have it notarized. Oh, so wow. you have to send this in and it's a one-time fee of $19 um, that you send to the DOJ. I believe you send that in with like a check or a cashier's check possibly. Um, and you enter all your info in on this, this sheet basically. And then... Um, to my understanding, or at least to the one that I pulled up online, and it might not be the same one for ammo, it might just be a standard like firearm eligibility check, but yeah, you had to go have it notarized. And I checked with the local uh, notary, uh -huh. um, they charge $15. So it'd be $15 to have it notarized, and then a $19 check, and then um, if you do like certified mail to make sure that it gets there, then obviously that adds a charge, but if not, the minimum would be I think 49 cents for a a stamp. So, so you're what you're telling at... me is just buy a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By the time you, you know, you get $60 into uh, all these, these background checks and everything, you might as well just buy a gun. And we do have a podcast. Uh, if you search our earlier podcasts on good first guns, mm -hmm. uh, good starter guns. So go ahead yeah. and give that a listen. Um, I guess, you know, I know it's a joke and stuff, but um, my thing is when you're starting something out, you want the least amount of uh, roadblocks. Right. And this is pretty much just a roadblock for people that 
you know, don't that aren't into guns or that are on the fence or that I've always wanted to be, uh, wanted to go shooting. Um, we see the same thing with hunters, even though yes. I agree with hunter safety. I do too. Um, because it's very important uh, for a healthy hunting population. <laughs> um, you know, you see a lot of people that want to hunt, but they don't want to have to go through the, the whole uh, hunter safety test. And that's usually the big roadblock. This isn't as bad of a roadblock um, because it's not time, it's money. But um, I could see a lot of people that are on the fence about shooting, not wanting to go through all that, you know, to have to get something notarized and, you know, fill out a form. A lot of people are just like, ah, you know what, um, you know, hey, let's go shooting this weekend. No, well, I, I can't buy ammo or whatever. So, you know, uh, just forget it. So there is one exception to the rule, and I was going to save it for um, when I talk about some of the exceptions and things like that. Okay. But um, I'll, I'll kind of address it now. It sounds like, according to the law, that you can purchase – the only place where you would be able to purchase ammo is at a firing range that is dedicated to renting out like handguns and long guns or any kind of gun okay. for that matter that you can – but it ha all that ammunition has to be shot there – on site. Oh, can't leave the premises. Yes, because their thought process is the guy who owns the shooting range either has his FFL or has an ammo license yeah. uh, or something like that. Um, and so he's the one taking the hit, so to speak, on the so background check. Essentially, it's his ammo. Yes. Just yeah, it. and you're just paying him to shoot it. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that that's I think that's how they view it. Um, so places like uh, some of those indoor shooting ranges where we've talked about where you can go in and rent handguns, you uh -huh. should still be able to do that okay. and still be able to get a box of ammo. The problem is, is when do you typically go and do that? You, you do it with somebody that you know who shoots. Yeah. And oftentimes, like, you're not... I don't know how to say it, but like you're not going to go out. It's I don't know that many people that go out and just go, oh, I'm going to rent that gun because I've never been shooting before. Yeah. And then I'm going to you know go do this. Usually it's like you get like a, a group on with a bunch of buddies and go out and do it. <laughs> you know, And you have at least hopefully one buddy that knows a little bit about shooting yes. or something like that. But um, I know on the range uh, episode, I talked about being next to some guys that had none of them had fired a uh, gun, but they were tourists and wanted to fire a gun in, <laughs> in California. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and that, those are the only instances where that would probably, where you'd be getting people like that in, but you're they right. They want to do something very American. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the most American ever. Um, but yeah, so that's, that is one exception to the rule, but I feel like not that many people even know that that is an option. You know, um, a lot of the times it's your buddy going, Hey, let's go out to the desert, bring, you know, whatever box of ammo. So, um, before I move on to my next question, yeah. Um, let's circle back to this Eagle rare. What do you, what do you think? It is getting way smooth as the ice melts and yes. I'm really enjoying it. It's really mellowed out. It's <laughs> mellowed out to the point where I finished my glass pretty much. I'm about to take my last drink. Yeah. We're empty. Cheers. And I'm going to pour myself another, uh, finger or two. You might need some more ice in there. Uh, <laughs> no, I think, I think we're good. Uh, um, but yes, I'm really enjoying this. I really like it. Once it mellowed out, it uh, uh, it's turned into uh, one that I really like. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's really delicious. Um, I, I can drink this uh, as probably like my my go-to. I like it that much. Yeah. Oh, really? As much as uh, 46, huh? Um, yeah, I mean... <laughs> <Dang>. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I've had this before and I, I don't remember it being as good you know why because your palate wasn't as refined <laughs> back palate then. As refined, i guess <laughs> uh i was a rookie you were yeah just a rookie bourbon drinker 
You probably didn't even know it was bourbon. You're like, dang, what is this stuff? Ooh, but now with the um, the fresh, fresh pour, pour, it's strong it's, again. It's a little strong. Yeah. Uh, that, I will say that's the one nice thing about Makers 46 is with the fresh pour, yes, it's strong, but not, not as strong as this. Yeah, but um, I'm really enjoying this. Uh, so. Good job. Good job, Eagle Rare and the Buffalo Trace Distillery on that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you another question. Okay. Um, this is going to pertain to... Couple of people that have been waiting for this podcast for a while. Yeah. Um, can non Californians buy ammo in California? Well, I don't know. A. A. Number one, before I even answer the question, <laughs> I don't know why you'd even want to buy ammo yeah. in California if you don't live here. I don't get it either. Yeah. Or uh, why you would care about California ammo regulations. And uh, just really quick, a heads up uh, we are recording indoors and we do have uh, some dogs in here that are roaming around and so that you might hear that in the background. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't understand that either. Would a non california why would a non-Californian want to buy uh, ammo in California, considering that um, I've been to other states and it's significantly cheaper, uh, significantly um, more uh, available. It's an easier process. It's an easier process. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but just to get the technicalities out of the way, can can they? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. Simple answer. No. <laughs> Simple answer is no, they can't. So we, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, you have to have a valid California ID and address in the state of California. So in order to do that, and I'm not sure the state law on this. I have a couple friends of mine, and uh, uh, I have yeah, I have a couple a couple friends of mine, and um, and they're. Uh, I forget how it all works, but basically they have uh, parents or in-laws that own houses out of state, right? So they they have. Um, vacation homes out of state and I think because of the way that taxes are retirement I, I don't know how it all works but uh. I'm not at that age yet and I'll figure it out when I get there uh, <laughs> but I think it's like there's less taxes or something like that if they live out of state and so they declare that they live out of state uh, six months in one day and so they have their out of state license so I think if you were to do that in California you'd probably have to do the same and have like to have a valid California ID live here six months in one day. Okay. So then you couldn't have an ID anywhere else or whatever. So it kind of negates the whole, whole like point of like having the opportunity to buy guns in Arizona or Nevada or Idaho or any of these other like free states, free states basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that, that kind of sucks. So, um, yeah, no, so you do have to have a valid CA ID and an address in California. Um, and then also Californians are, um, not allowed to purchase out of state anyways. Um, so it's yeah. kind of, you know, it's one of those things where it's just all ammo sales go to Californians only. All ammo sales in California can only go to Californians yeah. and Californians can't buy outside of the state. So it's really simple. Um, now here's the thing though, if you do purchase and we've already touched on this, but if you do decide you want to purchase ammo out of the state, then yes, you can, but it has to go through the FFL first. So really what it is, is more the FFL purchases like kind of holds the ammo okay. that I don't know if it's like a deed or title or what, but basically he takes possession of that ammo. It's his ammo. And then you go and get it from him. Um, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, the whole thing's I mean, like really confusing and messed up. Um, <laughs> and you know, we jokingly said, you know, why would, uh, non-Californians want to buy ammo in California? The, um, the problem is, you know, what if you want to go shooting, you know, if you have family members in California and you just want to go shooting and you want to buy ammo that that's, that that's where it'll be a big problem. Well, and the the worst part too is you can't even bring in like your own ammo from out of state. Like yeah. if you bought like a ton of ammo and we're like, yeah, I'm going to see all my family in California, 
and we're going to go shooting, you can't even bring that ammo into the state, even yeah. if you're from out of state. Like, and, and a huge a huge problem is, you know, what if you wanted to go hunting? Um, you know, uh, it's just, just simple bird hunting or, you know, something that you could do. Yeah, they say then at that point, you either buy your ammo there, right? Because if any ammo you take out of the state has to stay out of the state. Yes. You can't bring it back in. Um, so you either buy ammo out of the state and leave it with your family and hope that, or with somebody, you know? Yeah. Um, and that, that's, that's kind of messed up. I know I've heard, uh, you know, people that are competitive shooters <laughs> that, you know, if they go to a shooting competition, they don't spend all, they don't use all their ammo. Um, they can't bring it back technically. Yeah. So they have to go out and either just shoot it all up or leave it again with somebody yeah. who, who can either use it. Um, there, there's a lot of people that say that you can just, uh, go into a, some of the gun stores in certain States. I've heard like in Arizona, you can go in and they'll buy back yeah. ammo and I, but I don't know the legality of that in Arizona. I don't know if like, cause here I believe all ammunition sales are final. Yeah. And are they going to buy them back at what? A fraction cost? of the yeah. cost or yeah, who knows? Yeah. So you're probably better off just standing out in the middle of the desert, blowing as many rounds out as you can. Just boom, 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 <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that's kind of annoying. And then you know what also is annoying is for people who have their concealed carry permits out of state. Yes. So I carry out of state, right? Yes, and I also have a CCW out of state. Yeah, and it and it sucks because like, okay, do I take four magazines with me just in case something happens and I have to get you know my wife or my you know friends or whoever I'm over there with back and like, or do I just take? one magazine or two like because yeah. either way i'm i'm gonna have to dump all that ammo at the state line uh, yeah technically you are gonna have to dump <laughs> all that ammo you know what i'm saying technically <laughs> um for the you know for the person who doesn't like to have to throw away ammunition it really yes. sucks it really does suck um and you know those are uh some of the logistics that i think um your average voter and politician don't think through um, they see this and then they just go, okay, well, well, what, you know, when that question is, is, is asked, well, can I take my ammo out of state and bring it back? The answer is no. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, what about this? Well, it's just no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and see, in my opinion, and we're going way off topic here, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, but in my opinion, you know, like hunting, that sucks as well, but like really for CCW holders is where it, yeah, I think where it sucks effect, the yeah. most. Because um, if you're crossing state lines all the time, you're constantly having to either toss your ammo or give your ammo to somebody that lives over there or whatever. Mm -hmm. And my, my thought process is if, if my ammo is in, loaded into magazines and I'm not carrying more than 10 magazines or 5 magazines even, like, and t I'm being generous with 10. I, I don't know that I would ever carry that many magazines for CCW yeah. over yeah. a state yeah. line. I mean, but if, let's, say, just let's just say I had five, sake of five total magazines, one in, one in my gun and then, you know four that I had in my, my bag in the hotel room or something like that. And they were in the magazine. That is less, that's 50 rounds for California because uh -huh. we only have 10 round magazines. Um, I feel like that should be like an exemption, yeah. like a, uh, Hey, you know what? They're in the magazine. There's no box. It's not like there's a receipt there that, yeah. and it is the burden of proof for the state to determine whether or not you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah. So anyways, uh, I'm going to, let's get back to the main topic. <laughs> so, okay. Well, um, are there any exceptions or exemptions for uh, these ammo regulations to anybody? There are, uh, but they're far and few between, and it sucks. 
um, so FFLs, obviously. Yep. Ammo dealers that are licensed, which uh -huh. we've already talked about. Gunsmiths was one of them that's mentioned. And so I don't know if there's like a gunsmith's license or if I could just say, hey, I'm a gunsmith. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I need to look into that. Um, that, that would be something interesting to look into. I would assume they must hold some kind of like a trade license or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they um, I'm, I'm assuming, yeah. And maybe it's, it's one of the classes of FFL, too. That could be as well, because I know there's multiple classes of FFL. Um, shooting ranges, and we already, that was why I wanted to yes. wait, but we already touched on that. You know, if you're buying for, and I think that one, um, I think even the person, as long as they have the deed to the property, can buy it. I don't know that they necessarily need to be a licensed firearm dealer. Oh, okay. Because I think... If you're if you have a shooting range, like it already has to be up to a certain amount of government standards. Yeah. And again, I'm not sure on that. I'd have to look into it, but I don't ever intend. Yeah, it's on... like a uh, liquor license. It yeah. To the building, not to the actual. Right. Owner. Right. And yeah. so as long as you can prove that you're like the business owner that owns that property or whatever, I think you can buy. And then law enforcement officers, obviously, they yes. can go in just flash their badge, and as long as their ID and badge and everything match up, they can buy whatever ammo they want, free of any registration. Not sure on that one why that would be helpful because a lot of those guys get uh, their ammo from the department. Yeah. Um, I guess it would be helpful if they were going to go hunting and like, yeah, I don't feel like shooting buckshot at Dove. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then they don't have to pay the dollar for that. The other thing that I read though too is that like people who work for agencies like law enforcement who maybe are just civilians, but they work in like purchasing. So they're the ones in charge of purchasing all the ammo. They, they can go in and do it as well. Yeah, um, I've also seen uh, talk, um, I don't know how true this is or whatever, we can look it up, um, but uh, for your, if you're a big ammo purchaser, um, it might be worth it to get um, one of your, uh, your, I think your ammo FFL. The class three. Yeah, class three. That, that's exactly what I was thinking, I just wasn't sure. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, to get that, then you can have ammo delivered to you. Um, so then you can order online. Yeah, so then you can order online, but it is not... Easy. That easy to, yeah. to obtain, um, but that is one route you can go if you wanted to work. Uh, if you want to work around for uh, online order, I think ordering. you could technically get an ammo dealer's license as well. Uh -huh. um, and I heard that that one's like we talked about. That one's a little easier because you're not having to do the whole FFL thing. There's some issues with the FFL as as far as owning like curio and relic rifles as well. And I don't know. There's there's like some very specific things where if you own certain guns, they just automatically will deny you your yeah. And FFL. what it comes down to is. We're not lawyers, <laughs> so you know you have to do the research. Um, we're, we're just trying to present the information as we understand it. Yeah. Uh, so I know we disclose this like every yes. episode, but I feel it's necessary to disclose yes. it. Yeah, this uh, is just our interpretation. We're just two guys that like <laughs> like shooting and hunting and fishing and uh, drinking bourbon and smoking cigars, and so this is this is just our take on everything. Yeah. So um, you know, like I said, you got to do your own research and find out what the best solution is uh for you yeah yeah um that's what it comes down to so um, so go ahead the other exception that everyone thought would be an exception that is not an exception um so i don't know why i started it with the other exception but <laughs> because we're on the topic of exemptions and exceptions ccw holders are not exempt they were going to put in a clause for them that they would be exempt from it because they've already taken an eight-hour class they have a license to carry like yeah all of these really really great reasons um but then they thought i, I want to say i heard somewhere that well if ccw gets it then hunter safety should get it because they've been through like long gun and then they should be able to buy long gun ammo and then it was just too much of like 
pistol ammo, long gun ammo, what would be regulated, what isn't. So obviously California did the easy thing and just said, no, no one can have anything. Yeah. <laughs> you well, guys I all mean, suck. I think that hunters should be able to. <laughs> well, I think that everybody, I mean, I think all this is, uh, shouldn't be anyway, but, um, you know, if, if that was their logic, if they went from CCW, hunt, uh, CCW, um, carriers to hunters, I mean, yes, hunters like me have taken a course and I would like to hunt out of state, and if I have ammo, bring it back. I mean, yeah. Well, know, and that's not really the kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and so that wouldn't really be the like. Even still, if they did like, and I'm, I hate that I'm even saying this because I just, I hate that I'm saying this, but like, I would, I would be okay with dealing with the dollar background check uh-huh. if I could just bring my ammo across state lines. Like that's yep. it. Like just for CCW and hunting. I'm not even talking about going over and buying stuff. Yep. Just for CCW and hunting. Just so I don't have to throw away ammo every time I come back across state lines. Yep, that's what they want you to do, man. They're breaking you down. <laughs> Slowly but surely, man. Uh, no, I'm gonna move out of state before that ever happens. Um, <clears throat> so, um, talking about hunting, um, are there any regulations on hunting ammo? Yes, that's the simple answer. Is yes. <laughs> um, the biggest regulation this year, and again, starts the same day, July 1st, 2019, which coincidentally is the first day of hunting season for the new season. Oh, yeah. Um, so basically, uh, the, the new law is non-lead ammo is the only type of ammo allowed in the state of California for hunting. Okay. Um, so that means you cannot use any type of lead. And a lot of guys were going, well, FMJ is probably okay. Full metal jacket, for those of yes. you that don't know what FMJ is. Where the there's a lead core, but the bullet is jacketed in like mm-hmm. um, any whatever type of metal. Um, they use a bunch of different types. But that, no. it's There's absolutely no lead can be used in the projectile. Um, so we're talking, uh, the most common is uh, steel, copper, bismuth, uh, tungsten, there's a few others out there, um, and they're experimenting with more and more metals as, as we go, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so the reason for this is, and a lot of people are up in arms because of the ammo regulations as far as purchases go. So just to be clear, though, okay. is, is this related to Proposition 63? I don't, I don't think so, right? I don't think it is. No. I, and I, you know this what? I didn't, even, I didn't even bother to look at it. I just yeah. know it's happening. I believe this is completely different. It, yeah, this, I think it is. I remember talking about this before. Because I think this is, is more of a health and safety. This is like a fish and wildlife thing because they, yes. they implemented it in stages as well. Yes. Um, so this is more of a fish and wildlife thing rather than a state-like mandated thing. Um, although, I don't know. I, I know the state had a lot to do with it too. So well, I, don't, I don't know. Regardless. Who knows? You, who, we can look it yeah, up. Yeah, who you cares? You can look it up. <laughs> um, anyways. At the end of the day, the reasoning for this, it, it's not upsetting to me as, as the other ones are. And, but the reason that everyone is up in arms about it is because of all the other regulations that are going on. So now yeah. people just automatically assume, well, this is California trying to take our rights away again. Yes. The reason for this is because shooting lead, um, especially for waterfowl hunting, but for most other hunting is super dangerous for the ecosystems and the environments. Because think about it, if you're shooting multiple shells of lead up in the air, right, and it's all coming back down into a pond or into a stream or a lake or river, mm-hmm. whatever, all that lead is now leaching into the water. Um, and then the fish that are in that water, for all of our anglers out there, oh, yeah. you're now pulling in fish with like high lead amounts and things like that. Um, they're really worried. They were really worried as well with predators. Like, let's say you shoot, um, 
you know, a deer or well, any animal for that matter, and you skin it and leave some of the, you know, the carcass behind as you, you're packing and field dressing and cleaning and anything feeds off of that. Um, now they're exposed to the lead that was basically punched through that, all that meat or, yeah. you know, whatever it might be. Um, I'm a proponent of try and take out whatever you can and pack out what uh -huh. you can and leave no trace. But there's a lot of people that will le legitimately just cut around the bullet wound and just leave <laughs> Yeah. Like that meat behind. And that is like the worst part of the meat. Uh, for, for the predators. Yeah, for the predators to leave behind um, because it's all, you know, it's got lead all over it. And so the, the reason for this is literally because they just want to get lead out of California in, in hunting areas and in these wildlife areas because yeah. it's kind of contaminated. And th this is one example of uh, the way I try to look at things. And you got to look at every regulation for what it is. Yeah. Um, and to automatically be mad at this just because it is a regulation and because it is California, um, you might be missing the point a little bit. If you're an ethical hunter, you care about animals. Um, you know, I care about animals, uh, and a lot of people uh, find a little bit of a disconnect with, well, you care about animals and why do you want to kill them? Um, you know, that's for a different uh, podcast, different right. topic. Um, but, you know, I, I do care about the health of the, uh, the population, the ecosystems, and things like that. And I would like future generations to be able to hunt um, and fish. And, you know, uh, all of that uh, has to do with this law uh, right. being put into place. It's not just um, trying to make it harder for hunters. Right. Um, it's trying to make a, a more sustainable hunting uh, population, right. you know, hunting, um, to, to keep it going pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, because, uh, you know, the department of uh, fish and game had a lot to do with this law. Um, and I believe other States have implemented this already. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's actually a ton of other States that have this. Um, there, there's even like, uh, I believe some federal laws concerning, um, hunting certain types of waterfowl and you have to use non-lead yeah. ammo and things like that. Um, so yeah, it, it's definitely not something that is California specific. Um, and there's a lot of people that actually prefer um, like hunting deer with like copper and things like that. Uh -huh. It's been really cool to watch on social media as people have been posting about this. A lot of the back and forth between people that just won't even give it the time of day and are hating it again, like you said, because it's a regulation and yeah. it's in California. So they're just hating on it the whole time. Um, but it's really cool to see some of the hunters that already have adapted to it and i'm just going to say right now i've already adapted to it i adapted to it the moment we started dove hunting um, yeah. my dad and i started dove hunting uh with steel shot because i knew it was coming in yeah. in two three years you know i'm like okay i know it's going to be here um i'd rather get used to shooting steel uh -huh. um because it moves a little quicker and the patterns are a little weird um or different obviously than lead and so um, that's the other thing that, that they're urging a lot of hunters out there is make sure that you go out and practice on the range and, and understand how these different types of, of metal projectiles, uh, shoot because you don't want to, you don't want to be taking animal, uh, taking animals with, you know, a new form of ballistics and you're like, okay, I just wounded this thing and now I yeah. gotta go track it for six miles. You know? Yeah. And if you've been hunting uh, with lead for a lot of years, um, I would suggest just going out to the range and. And trying to uh, dial in your your aim with these new bullets. Well, because steel moves quicker, this is kind of crazy. I uh, I you know when shooting clays, uh, if I shoot lead, 
um, I realized I have to lead uh, quite a bit more uh -huh. than with, with steel. So with steel shot, like when shooting dove or quail or whatever, I can actually stay back a little bit. Okay. Um, and I don't That's have to lead tip. them as much, which is kind of, a, yeah, it's a good little tip. And I, it might not be the same for everyone. Every gun shoots differently, yeah. whether you're spread. Um, goes left or right or high or what you know what I mean but uh -huh. and that's why I say go ahead and, and and make sure you know what you're what you're shooting before you go out and, and just go hunt you know? yeah 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 so. um, practice I mean you should be dialing in your dialing in your uh, your hunting rigs uh, every season anyway yeah absolutely now let me ask you this uh, so you I know you've kind of adopted the non-lead as well uh -huh. like we did from early on have you had any issues with getting non-lead ammunition um, you know, not really. Um, I, I found it pretty easy, but it's mostly bird hunting. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's, uh, it hasn't been tough for me at all. Okay. Um, I've been able to find it, uh, pretty much, uh, at the places that I go. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I could imagine it being a problem for like maybe uncommon calibers. Um, you know, that, that might be a problem. Oh, like for, uh, like deer hunters or yeah, like for, some of those older for calibers. actual bullets. Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> and not, you know, or shotgun like, shells. Like maybe even like a 16 gauge or something that's a yeah. little less common. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of funny though. Cause like hunters typically use those weird calibers. Like I know a lot of hunters that w use like weird calibers. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, that's weird. Like, you know, <laughs> to me, I'm just like, yeah, give me a 12 gauge. Give me yeah. a... You know, whatever, whatever's the most common. I think the weirdest caliber I own is a 270 and it's, and that's the most common like deer caliber yeah. in California. So it's like, it, I don't know. I think that's, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. But, um, you know, what it comes down to is if you're, if you're way into hunting, um, and you know, you, uh, you're, you have experience with a bunch of different calibers. I think for us, maybe we don't do a lot of big game hunting. Right. Um, so we don't have a lot of experience. We haven't seen the pros and cons of certain calibers and found our perfect caliber. Right. Um, so it's just a lot easier for us to go with the, the norm. Yeah, whatever's the, as, yeah. as standard and uh, standard issue as possible, basically. But as, as I do a little more upland bird hunting, I can understand why 16-gauge... Uh, is like an upland round. Yeah. <laughs> an upland shotgun. Yeah, because uh, right in that sweet spot between the 12 and the 20. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, and it's lightweight still. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to carry... Uh, it's hard hiking up uh, mountains trying to find chucker with a tw uh, 12 gauge. Uh, <laughs> with a heavy walnut stock <laughs> yeah. and four forearm. And, um, I will say this. The one thing that is frustrating to me... and, and um, so I typically carry my 1911 with me when I hunt um, because we're in areas in California where bobcats and mountain lions, coyotes are very prevalent. Black bears. Um, black bears as well. Um, and where you're more likely to run into those uh, types of predators. And um, it's just one of those things where I like to carry my, my 1911 with me for protection. Um, the problem is now I probably will not be able to carry the 1911 because the 45, the nine millimeter, the 40, um, a lot of your, like, I guess you would call them like, uh, home defense rounds or things like that, or home defense calibers, they do not make non-lead non ammo. Okay. So I'm probably going to have to start carrying my 44 Magnum because I know I can get non-lead ammo with that. Wow. Make you look a lot more manly. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a cool but, gun. You know, but you know what I'm saying? It, that, that's, that's, that's the part where it's kind of annoying because I feel much more confident carrying my 1911. Yeah. And it's not, um, uh, it's not as comfortable if you're hiking 
No, the, yeah. that huge revolver yeah. is not nearly as comfortable. And the, uh, I mean that, the, and again, we're going off topic, but the 1911, it's just so much easier for me to carry. And the systems, the holster that I have for it, the system that I have set up yeah. with all my gear, yeah. fits the 1911. And I don't like having that, this, the slowness of the 44 Magnum. Yep. So, right. No, I, I, I get it. 100%. And so that's where these, these laws kind of are upsetting. I feel like in a self-defense situation, lead should be legal. <laughs> well, um, what if you, you know, wanted to, uh, re, uh, load your own bullets, reload your own bullets. Okay. Um, are there any regulations about reloading? No. Um, <laughs> that's the short answer. No, there are no regulations. Prop 63 as, as of now, um, does not mention any reloading equipment. There's no like amendments to the law or addendums or whatever you want to call them, um, legal jargon, whatever. Um, there's nothing to the law that mentions reloading equipment. So you can reload as much as you want. You don't have to go through background checks to buy reloading equipment. It's kind of that idea where you can buy AR parts without needing a background check. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, so you can go in and, and just buy what you need and which is pretty cool. Um, the other reason why that might be a really good, uh, option is because on, uh, those uncommon calibers that you were talking about, you yeah. probably would be able to find, um, the non-lead like, uh, bullets uh, bullet, yeah. and projectiles and stuff that you would be able to like load yourself and you might be able to do it cheaper because a lot of people that's the other reason a lot of people were complaining like it's really hard to find them or you can find them but they're out of state oftentimes uh -huh. and then to pay for them to come in via ffl this is like a really quick and easy way where you can buy in bulk the projectiles in bulk and then you can always buy your casings and whatever else you need as yeah. well um so that that's yeah all right um let's uh let's kind of finish up here let's talk about the myths uh going around about these regulations i've heard quite a bit I know you've heard quite a bit. Um, once something like this happens, especially when there's no infrastructure right away, yes, uh, the rumor mill uh, starts going, <laughs> and people, you know, people's imaginations just start running wild, um, and uh, people just, you know, start coming up with the, a, a lot of things. Um, so, what what are some of the myths that you've heard? I'll tell you a couple of them. Um, for mine. Uh, I've heard that there's going to be limited uh, purchase amount and limited ammo amount when you uh, make purchases, and that is a big no, correct? So can you explain the difference between the purchase amount and the ammo amount? I know what you're talking about, but just for our listeners. Um, well, purchase amount would be the amount of purchases you can make. In a certain in a, time. In a certain time frame. Okay. Um, almost like our handgun. Right. Uh, every 30 days. Yeah, every 30 days yeah. you can purchase one. Um, and the limited amount of ammo would be like the amount of ammo you can buy in one purchase. Right. So you could only buy like 500 rounds or something yeah. like that. Yes, I've heard a lot of that going and, around. Um, according to what we understand, there is no um, regulation on that. Yeah, no regulation on, on the amount of transactions in any given amount of time, day, month, year, whatever, yeah. um, and no, no ammo amount. Um, one of the really common ones that I get a lot is, uh, or that I heard a lot initially, and this was, I think, due to a lot of speculation, because I had people at gun stores legitimately giving me this information. Uh -huh. That, oh, you're going to need a permit, you're going to have to take a class or a test, it's going to be like the handgun or the firearm safety permit, where it'll be good for five years, and you'll pay $50 up front, and it's going to be a five-year permit, and then after that, then you can't buy ammo, and like, I mean, just, like... All kinds of stuff, and that was all speculation. Um, so I've heard a lot of that, and none of that is is true. Um, yeah, that that was uh, originally what I had heard. 
Then yeah. you have to have a permit, and then it would expire after a certain amount of time, and then you had to retake a test or or reapply for the permit. Well, and they were talking about combining the ammunition permit with the firearm safety permit, uh-huh. and then making everyone who just went from buying the hand, or getting the handgun permit and then re-getting the firearm permit to then going, okay, now we got to get a third permit. I, like, it's ridiculous, you know? Yeah. And so that's that was one of the things that they were talking about. Well, I'm glad California was a little more logical on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, the other thing that I've heard is, um, oh, you could only buy calibers and gauges for the guns that you own. Okay. And they had to be registered too. Like that was one of the other things that like if you had some unregistered weapons, then you wouldn't even be able to buy the ammo for them. So far, that's not the case. And the reason for that obviously is because you may have some that were registered to your father or grandfather and passed down to you or to your spouse that, you know, you want to be able to go out and buy ammo for. Um, Or if you want to just go out and buy ammo to go shoot with your buddies who has a weird caliber and says, yeah, bring your own ammo, you know? Yeah. Yeah, all those weird calibers can be a little pricey, so, yeah. you know. It's... I don't want to be crowdfunding the entire yeah. shooting day, right? <laughs> yeah, just because I have the odd caliber doesn't mean I have to supply the ammo for everybody. Exactly, yeah. Um, were there any other ones that you had you had heard or anything? Um, that the reloading equipment would be regulated. Yeah, which um, obviously it's yeah, not. We so. had to address that already. Um, and then the other one that I heard that's been super annoying, and I keep hearing it, like, despite... Yeah, I literally just heard this at uh, a store the other day. Yeah, is the non-lead ammo for all of California. Like, not just hunting. Yeah. No, it's only for hunting. Strictly for hunting. Like, oh, what am I going to... There's no way I'm spending twice as much on my AR ammo to go out and shoot at the range. And it's like, bro, just read the article. Just read the first three sentences of the article. (laughs) You know, and, oh, man, that one was bothersome. So... Um, But, you know, these are myths right now. Um... And we're trying to prevent them from being regulations. Um, so at the current moment, this is our understanding that these are are not uh, re- not the current regulations. Yeah. Um, but you never know. I mean, you know, um, I'm sure people back in the days didn't think that we'd be as regulated as we are now. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of the myths that were uh, going around then are probably True. realities now. Yeah. So. Um, just keep that in mind. Uh, as of right now, these are myths. Yeah. So. <laughs> and hopefully we won't have to uh, deal with that. Yeah. With any of those um, in real life, but. Yeah. You never know. <laughs> you really don't. <laughs> anyway, do you want to circle back on the, the whiskey and let everybody know what you think? I mean. I, I thought it was good. I only had the one glass. Um, for for those of you that pay attention, um, I very rarely finish the full glass during a podcast, and I did two today. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, Eagle Rare, man, I like it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is good. Um, I really liked it as it mellowed out. Um, not one of my go-to's if I was going to drink it neat. Um, it, but yeah, all in all, it was really good, really flavorful. Um, and and like I said, that flavor was just made all all the more better as the ice melted yeah, for me. If you like the bold flavors, um, it might be. Yeah, you might like it. You. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely not one for me neat either. Yeah. Uh, but not, not too bad on, on the rocks. Yeah. Uh, once it mellowed out, it was, like I said, uh, that was definitely, uh, in, in my lane, up my alley or whatever you want to call it. Do they have <laughs> like a nicer, like version of Eagle Rare? <laughs> yes. It's actually called Double Eagle Very Rare. Wow. That's original. <laughs> Which is a very creative name, I guess. <laughs> well, I guess we'll have to try a bottle of that yeah, sometime. Uh, yeah. We'll, uh, if, 
if one of our listeners wants to send us a bottle, we'll definitely review it. You know who you are. <laughs> uh, so you can catch us on Facebook at Smoke the Podcast, Instagram at Smoke the Podcast. Um, let's try to get that, uh, that going. We'd like to get that a little more uh, active. Yeah, get some more people interacting um, and I know talking it's, with us. It's on us too. I mean, we gotta we gotta post, post. more and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, we appreciate your feedback. Let us know. Uh, what you think about the sound quality if it's changed if it's different if it's worse if it's better yeah uh, what we can do to improve it um, all that uh, feedback is much appreciated um, so for me this is smoke the podcast signing off you guys take it easy. Bye.